You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, welcome into Locked On Horn Frogs, your daily TCU podcast. It is Monday, new week, new show. Appreciate you joining me. I am your host, Stephen Simcox. Uh, you might be a little hungover from a great football weekend or from whatever you're drinking. I don't know. No judgment here. Um, I know that was a great weekend of NFL playoff action, divisional playoff action, and hopefully we see some exciting football from Sonny Dykes and his crew when the fall rolls around. In segment two, I want to discuss an article that Sam Kahn Jr. wrote uh, about Sonny and his process and kind of him coming over to TCU and what that means. But I want to start today with uh, TCU basketball because they bounced back in a big way on Saturday, defeating Iowa State 59-44 to on the road. It was the lowest point total in the history of Hilton Coliseum. Um, that's a tough place to play. TCU has actually played well there lately and continued that trend yesterday, getting a 15-point victory. And it was another game where Mike Miles didn't play particularly well. It took him forever to get on the scoreboard. He finished with five points, two of eight shooting, one of five from three. Uh, the star of the day was Damian Ball. And I love watching Damian play. Now, he can be frustrating at times. He's drawn the ire of some TCU fans from what I've seen so far this year. And understandably so. He is extremely confident. Like, he always thinks he's the best player on the floor. Uh, he's not afraid of the moment. He's taken some big shots this year. He's made a few big shots for TCU this year. Um, he turns the ball over a lot. I don't think, like, I'm, I can't say this for sure. I feel like he probably wasn't planning on being the main point guard all year long that he would handle in the ball at the top of the key a lot on offense. That's sort of just how it's shaken out as the season's gone on. What he does do really well is defend. He is a great defender, and um, he had an insane day on defense. Seven steals, you know, some of those led to breakaway buckets, and he was super efficient on offense. 11 of 17 uh, from the field, 1 of 4 from 3, hit a big 3 early in the game, you know, was finishing around the rim, was getting to the hole with authority, was making things happen, um, had like an off-balance floater, midway through the second half that he banked in. That was crazy. Had a dagger of a shot around the free throw line where he was just sort of trapped up in the air, threw one up and banked it in. And he brings a confidence and a swagger to this team that I think they need. He had um, a steal and a breakaway dunk in this game. So there was one point in this game, you know, TCU was in control for the most part. They led pretty much from the jump. And they had an 11-point lead at halftime, 34-23. to 23. And then Iowa State started slowly chipping away. They had a terrible day on offense. So it wasn't, I mean, you know, it wasn't necessarily like two or three possessions and they were right back in it. It was a slow process. But they did hit a couple threes, and they hit a three at one point and cut the lead to 36-33. to 33. And TCU called timeout. And it was one of those situations where Iowa State went on a little bit of a run, they cut the lead to three, the crowd gets going, you can sort of sense in the building, okay, if TCU's going to lose control here, it's going to be right now. Like, this could go sideways in a hurry, 
and you could look up and suddenly they're down 10 points and they're probably going to lose the game. And during that, you know, stretch on offense, it seems like in every game this year, as good as this team has been, they go through a four or five minute stretch where it looks like they have no idea what to do on the offensive side of the floor. Like the possessions are just terribly disjointed. They're not getting good shots. Their shot clock violations, their turnovers, and nothing was working. And it sort of just seemed like, okay, they're going to lose control of this game. But coming out of the timeout, they went on a quick 6-0 run. Chuck O'Bannon had a dunk. Uh, Ball found Emmanuel Miller near the rim. He finished. And then Ball got a steal, broke away, slammed it down, and actually like yapped at the Iowa State bench a little bit. Iowa State called the timeout. And then from from there on out, they played fantastic, and they ended up winning the game and separating. So he was huge, you know, in that in the kind of mini spurt that they went on to get control back of that game. And the one thing that this team does consistently, aside from that, you know, terrible night against Santa Clara, is they defend, and they did it again on Saturday. I mean, held Iowa State to 30% from the field, 11% from three. And, you know, some of that was Iowa State just missing shots. Like, there were some wide-open threes that they missed that I think they would typically make. Um, it's a big win. Iowa State, I think, is a fraudulent team. Well, I don't think they're the 15th best team in the country. They were ranked number 15 coming into the game. They had a really good start to the season. They sort of cooled off as Big 12 play has started. But they're a quality team. Uh, it looks good on the resume. I will caution people, don't, like, the win was big. Don't take the result of each and every game and immediately think, okay, what does this mean for the tournament? Because I feel like TCU fans are in that mode right now. Like, after the Oklahoma State loss, I saw people saying, like, well, that's going to kill their tournament hopes. And I'm like, okay, listen, that was a bad loss. It was a game they should have won. It was a winnable game on the road. But there are 18 conference games. Like, you're going to lose some unexpectedly. You're going to win some unexpectedly. You just have to try to stack up wins. So don't look at every game and just think, okay, what does this mean for the NCAA tournament? But this result is significant, especially if Iowa State can kind of bounce back and have a more respectable record at the end of the year, more respectable conference record at the end of the year. Um, Mike Miles has to start scoring. I don't know what the answer is there. I know he's got the wrist injury he's dealing with, but it's a legit problem. Now, they've been able to overcome it, and it's impressive that they have. Going back to that stretch, though, where Iowa State cut into the lead and made it a three-point game, Mike was playing. He It was rough. Like, he was playing very poorly. And it was to the point where, like, I'm sitting there watching it, and he was being very passive. You know, Iowa State was getting after him on defense. He wasn't looking for his own shot. He was passing up some good looks. And I thought to myself, like, you got to get him out of the game because he's, he's a liability right now. And Jamie did. He subbed out. He subbed him out. But then he had to sub him back in because even if Mike is not scoring, the offense just flows better with him on the floor because of the attention that he gets from defenders. So they got to find a way to get him involved. Um, and if they do, this team could be really good. I mean, again, they had sort of an unsung hero in Damian Ball step up on Saturday. So excited about that. Um, they play Texas Tuesday night, huge game, fill the shally, be loud, be aggressive, support this team. 
Um, big bounce back went for the Frogs. When we come back, we'll talk some football. This is Locked On Home Frogs, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, here we go. Segment number two of Locked On Horn Frogs. So Sonny Dykes uh, did an interview with Sam Conn Jr. Um, from The Athletic. And it, it ran last week. I thought it was interesting. I wanted to highlight a few things from that article. And I'll, I'll say, like, I've been pleasantly surprised at how open Sonny has been so far with the media. Um, he said at that – who did they play? Oklahoma. Oklahoma basketball game at halftime he spoke. And he said that practices were going to be open to fans, which that's a major difference. Uh, I know they did a kids camp this week. Um, There just seems to be an effort to publicly kind of be around, let people know where the coaching staff stands. And I'll say, from, from my experience covering college football, it is not uncommon for that to be the case when a new staff comes in and they want to sort of schmooze the media or schmooze uh, the fan base, the alumni base. So I hope that sticks around. I do. But I'll just say enjoy it while you can because generally once these guys start to get settled where they're at, they're not as keen to invite outsiders in and kind of let them have a window into what's going on. But we'll see. You know, some coaches really – like that aspect of of the job the media portion of it they sort of understand that you can play the game a little bit and if you're generous with your access then people will be on your side a little bit more and some don't like it and gary was gary patterson was definitely on the side of he wasn't interested in giving the media any more access than necessary which was very limited um so we'll see where Sonny kind of falls on that as he gets into the job but Talking with Sam Khan, things that stood out. One, uh, and I don't know if he said this elsewhere, but this was the first time I caught it. Sonny said that he was surprised at the reaction from SMU fans, which I won't spend a ton of time on this because whatever. You know, what happened happened. Uh, it was not the most seamless transition. Everybody sort of knew it was happening, but it's over now. He's here. Um, SMU fans are mad about it, whatever. But... I was just sort of flabbergasted. Like he said, and this was a direct quote, like I thought it was just me, you know, leaving one job for another job. Like what, Sonny, you've been around this business for a long time. Like you understand how these things work. And he was embedded in SMU. Like they had a distinct culture there. And he had to know the SMU-TC rivalry, it was much hotter on the SMU side. Like SMU hate CCU. They just do. They want to beat them. That's their Super Bowl every year. So I, I don't buy that. I don't buy that like Sonny was naive to the fact that uh, SMU fans would be mad that he left. But anyway, he was sort of just taken aback by the reaction from SMU fans. And I thought that was funny. Um, in talking about what needs to improve, Sonny said they need more bodies up front. More bodies and bigger bodies up front. You know, he mentioned that. He talked about the speed at the skill positions, the speed on the back end of the defense, but they have to have more size and more ability in the trenches. And, uh, yeah, it doesn't necessarily take a rocket scientist for everybody to see that. I think that's pretty obvious. And I will say, if there's one thing 
that's been kind of disappointing so far is that those issues haven't been addressed as much as I would like in the transfer portal and in recruiting. Now, still got some time. You know, early signing period's already passed. The second signing day's coming up, and then the transfer portal will be open throughout the offseason. Um, but so far, I mean, Dominic Williams, the, the kid from California, huge nose tackle. Um, Blue Ali, the Juco nose tackle from New York area. And then Alan Ali, the uh, offensive lineman from SMU. And that's really about it. So need some more depth there. Need some more size there. They understand that. Hopefully they're working that pretty closely. Um, and then it's also just interesting to hear him discuss. He's, he's really selling this aspect of we're just taking what we did at SMU and we're kind of copying and pasting it over to TCU. Um, and in some ways, I get that, right? Like, he was very successful on the hilltop. They did a good job. Why would you come in and immediately change things? But, I mean, I think there are things that they did there that are not necessarily going to work as well at TCU. And, and the main the main point that sticks in my mind is they worked the transfer portal really well. But it was specifically with kids that were at a Power 5 school – you know, washed out for some reason. Okay, you want to get closer to home? Uh, we'll go ahead. We'll get you involved here. Come to SMU. You can play right away. And you just sort of see the results. I, I don't see that plan working at CCU. Like, I think the portal is big. You need to be involved there. They have been involved there. But to me, you're going to have to build your program through recruiting the high schools. And if you're going to get transfers – it's got to be more impact transfers. Like, you've got to get more involved with guys that are going to step in at the Power 5 level and be ready to go right away. So, you know, we'll see. Um, and the quarterback position, he said they're going to roll the ball out there and they're going to have an open and, you know, full competition. He mentioned that Max has a lot of experience. He's a tough kid. Chandler showed some flashes uh, during the Baylor game. And that they got some young guys that are ready to compete, and he named Sam Jackson and Alexander Hoyne, who is uh, the young man from Germany. Now, he's actually listed as a tight end on the GoFrogs roster right now. So he might be making a transition in a position switch. Um, but he came at, he came to TCU as a quarterback. So I think that's important. I want to see a full open competition. We haven't had that in a long time. And, man, like, I just hope that this this program can get some energy back and that this staff can kind of inject some instant improvement into what's there. Because the, cup, the cupboard's not completely bare. I mean, there's some holes filling this roster, but there's still some talent. Uh, and I really want to see what Garrett Riley and Sonny Dykes do with this offense, with the skill position talent they have at their disposal. Tomorrow, uh, we'll hit basketball again. We'll keep talking football. We'll be with you all week. This is Locked On Horn Frogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.